Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. It seems to me that we know how to fast better than we know how to feast. (laughs) Which is odd, if you think about it. I mean, who would not rather feast than fast? Why would we do a better job at fasting than feasting? I think perhaps we have a much better idea of the tools or instruments of fasting. And we're a bit fuzzy on the means of feasting. We simply don't know how to feast properly. Now, I want to clarify these terms, what I mean by fasting and feasting. I'm not just referring to simply not eating and eating sumptuously, although those are aspects of what I mean. I'm using these terms, fasting and feasting, as descriptive headings for seasons, for seasons that we go through. And on Referring specifically to liturgical seasons, but it could also uh, apply to seasons of life, different seasons of life that we go through, seasons of fasting, seasons of feasting. And each of these have their own sort of distinct atmosphere, their own discipline, their own effect in our lives, which are encouraged and fostered by all the different accoutrements of the season. There's lots of different things that play into this that create an atmosphere that create an effect in us, whether it's a fasting season or feasting season. Now, the fasting season, as we have already noted, uh, consists of not eating. (laughs) That's sad. That should be sad, right? Um, It's a season of self-denial. It's a season of self-denial in order that we would wake up our lethargic souls to the holiness of God, Uh, become aware of our own sin, those things that are between us and God, so that we can be delivered and enter into God's presence. We can be shriven on Shrove Tuesday, confessed and cleaned. It's a season focused on grief, on groaning, on sorrow. It is a season of penitence. And everything in the fasting season is designed to aid this pursuit. The ascetical disciplines, the restrictions of food and noise and entertainment. We restrict our travel, our vacations. We impose simplicity upon our life. We give extra alms. We pray longer prayers. We have more services. Maybe we intensify our prayer rule. There are also aesthetical adjustments in the liturgy that help aid with all of this. We wear violet violet vestments, which over the years, through repeated use, take on a somber tone in our association. Uh, The organ is not played. The music is solemn and somber and dirge-like, even. There's no flowers on the altar, no relics on the altar, 
The icons get veiled in Passion Tide. Lots of little things that go into creating an atmosphere of somber penitence and preparation. No Gloria. And then, of course, there is that, the, the biggest of them all, the sorrowful burying of the Alleluia. Next year, it's going to be even better. Every year, we get better. We've commissioned a coffin uh, from our school woodshop. So Olivia was just finished up. So she, they are going to be building a coffin for the Alleluia in the next two weeks. And so we'll have a proper coffin, and we're going to actually construct a sarcophagus outside so that we can do this upright. So next year will be even better. They'll be wailing in the aisles as we go out with the poor Alleluia. And the boys, uh, the pallbearers, carry the Alleluia in its casket out to its sarcophagus. You don't want to miss it. And many of you do miss it. You shouldn't miss this. All of these things are important aspects of the fasting season. But really they are secondary and tertiary. All of these various accoutrements that go into helping us enter into the real purpose of godly sorrow, penitence of the fasting season. At the very center of the fast, there is a beating heart which creates and sustains the fast, which really is what makes it effective in our lives. And if we just involve ourselves in the periphery aspects of the seasons, and if we miss the heart of it, it can very easily all just become a religious exercise of little value. In some cases, it can actually even become harmful. So what is the heart? What is the engine, the power plant, the very center, the driving force, the womb, the thing that controls and fuels the fasting season? which is meant to bring us closer to God. What is it? It's the Mass. It is the Mass itself and the Divine Office as the handmaiden to the Mass. Now, I don't mean the Mass in general. I don't mean the ordinary of the Mass. You know what the ordinary of the Mass is. Those are the parts of the Mass that are same in every Mass. I don't mean the general idea of the Mass in what I'm saying here or the ordinary of the Mass necessarily. I'm speaking of those parts of the Mass which are particular, those prayers, those propers, those parts that are proper in the fasting season. The first Sunday of Lent. Every day of Lent has its own Mass. There's a Mass prescribed for every single day of Lent that's not like any other Mass. It's unique to that day with its propers and its prayers and its readings. Okay? There's eight propers to the Mass. Those are the parts that change. It's our engagement in offering the sacrifice of the Mass in the fasting season and hearing the prescribed readings, letting them enter into our souls, being attentive to them, letting the Holy Spirit open the ears of our heart to hear those readings from the Old Testament and the epistles and the gospel, to praying the prayers, the collect and the offertory and the secret and all of these prayers in these masses, which uniquely convey the meaning and the mystery of the Holy Fast, which really birth it in our souls, enable us to truly, deeply, mysteriously enter into it. And this also happens, by the way, secondarily in the Divine Office, which expresses these same prayers of the Mass. 
Now, it would be extremely helpful at this point for me to give you a bunch of examples, but um, I don't have time this morning. Plus, I plan on speaking on this theme for the next 50 days. So you're going to be hearing a lot about this over the next 50 days. So you are going to get some examples in sermons, Sunday school classes, and in your email box. This is the absolute source and the heart of the fast. It is the Mass. And I mean those prayers and readings of the Mass. And your engagement, your benefit from the fasting season is directly impacted by how, how, how well you pray the Mass. By how well you pray the Mass. And its particular propers in that season. The prayer of the Church. The prayer. Capital T, capital P, prayer of the Church. The sacrament which makes us what we are. The Eucharist, the Mass is what truly enables us to enter the fast, the season of the fast, for maximum benefit. And it's what gives all the other stuff we do and don't do its meaning and makes it effective to its purpose. So the heart of fasting, the heart of fasting is not, not eating. The heart of fasting is the Mass with its readings and prayers. We enter the fast. We make the most of the fast, first and foremost, by sincerely, attentively attending and praying the Mass in that season in all its particularities. I'm sorry for all the repetition. If we think the fast is primarily about not eating, which would make sense, I mean, it's reasonable, conclusion to draw if you're not illumined, in the truth, or if you haven't been taught or paid attention, if you think the fast is primarily about not eating, you might reasonably conclude that the feast is primarily about eating sumptuously. <laughs> time to indulge, right? We're in feast time. Remember I said we, don't, we know how to fast, but we don't know how to feast. So it's time to indulge, time to crank the radio up. You know, I turn my radio off during Lent, so I pray more in the car. Oh, it's Easter week. I'm going to turn the radio on. Time to go on vacation. Time to entertain ourselves. Relax. Take a break. Indulge. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way, don't misunderstand me, that those things, those joys of, you know, this temporal life of good food and, you know, having, enjoying our friends and having a party and entertainment and relaxation and sitting, you know, on the beach or whatever it is you like to do. I'm not suggesting that those things don't play a part in us expressing our gladness and joy in this world. Certainly they do, and certainly we enjoy certain things in feasting seasons that we do not enjoy through self-denial in fasting seasons. But if we look to those things as the source of our joy in a feasting season, and I think everyone here can probably relate to what I'm about to say. They will turn on us quickly. That well-won gladness that we fought so hard for in Lent will be much less satisfying when we think that we will express our joy and gladness in indulgence. <laughs> it will dissipate very, very quickly and leave us very, very unsatisfied. So you can probably guess at this point where I'm headed with this. The fast is about sorrow. The feast is about joy and gladness. It is. That is true. You are to sorrow in the fasting season. That's what you are enjoined to do. 
You are admonished, you're commanded to sorrow for your sin. As we said in one of our sermons, you are to breathe in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Well, in the season of Easter, the great feast of the church, which goes on, by the way, through the octave of Pentecost. So we have plenty of time to get this right this year. We don't just have to wait till next year. That's why you're going to be hearing about this for the next 50 or 60 days. We've got time. It goes on through the octave of Pentecost. You are enjoyed. You are admonished. You are commanded by the church in this season to be glad. To be happy. Absolutely you are. I'm not making this up. If you pay attention to the prayers, you will have no doubt that the church commands you, admonishes you, to be happy. This is the time to be happy. It is the time to give full expression of your joy. But we don't know how to do it. We really don't. I mean, I think it means foie gras. I don't know what you think it means. But after I've eaten, an I haven't actually had any foie gras yet, but I plan on going to get some. But after you've eaten an entire log of foie gras, you just feel miserable anyway. That is not what it means. We don't know how to do it. We don't understand what's at the heart of our joy. What lies at the center in terms of us being able to enter that joy and express that joy to really sink our teeth into it and experience in fullness. We enjoy our delicacies, right? Our entertainments in the atmosphere of the feast. But those things are not the source of our gladness. The engine of our gladness is the exact same engine of our sorrow. They are one and the same. It is the Mass which is offered in this season of rejoicing and joy with its particular readings and prayers. The Mass in this feasting season. If you listen, if you enter in, if you pray, if you praise, if you hear the Scriptures and hear the hymns and hear the prayers... And if you express them from your heart, you will understand how the Mass is the source of your joy. With all the other things, when I walk in every year to Lauds on Monday morning after Easter Sunday, um, and I smell those flowers filling the room. For me, that's, that's what does it for me. The smell of the flowers. The fragrance of the joy of Easter Day. To smell that every day during the season, filling the room, so beautiful and uplifting. You know, we don't know how to feast because sometimes we think feasting is about eating when feasting is about praising God. That's what it is. Feasting is about praising God, delighting in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to the... Listen to the prayers. Listen to them. Look at your bulletins. Read your propers at home. Like, how, so we have Mass every day this week. We had all the post-resurrection um, appearances of Christ this week. How many of you heard those prayers? How many of you read those passages? You just missed out on the most glorious week of the entire year. Do you realize, I'm not chastising you. I'm really not chastising you. I'm just encouraging you. Don't take it that way, please. I know we're all exhausted. I know that. Don't take it that way. It's not meant this way. But just, this is just informational. 
And this is across the board. This isn't at St. Patrick's. We're probably better than most. Do you realize this week, the week after Easter, is the least attended church, uh, services in the entire church year? So when I say we don't know how to feast, I'm not making this up. We do not know how to feast because we think feasting means sleeping in and, eat and overeating. Feasting means coming to church and singing at the top of your lungs. That's what it means. Then going home and enjoying, you know, a good meal. That's what feasting means. But we don't, this is the least attend, I had one person in Mass on Monday. Two people on Tuesday. Wednesday and Friday we had an evening Mass. We had about 30. Should have had 80. It's Easter week. Right? I'm not chastising you. I'm just letting you know that we're, we're trying to learn how to give expression and enter into our joy. And you didn't hear any of those passages unless you read them at home. And, to, and read them at home is great. That's second best. But to read them together in the, in the midst of the, where the sacrament is. We are in heaven right now. This is different than at home. Home is good, but this is better. That's one reason that we, we don't quite get this feasting thing figured out because we think it's about eating, and it's not. It's about praising God and then eating. The other thing is we're much more comfortable with fasting because in the big picture, we actually live in the fasting season of our existence. That's where we live. This life and this mortal life, we're in the fasting season, the big fasting season. Okay, we're not, we have a foretaste of the feasting season. The feasting season is the eternal kingdom, is after our resurrection in the next life. We're in the 70 years of Babylonian captivity now which I've preached on. That's what this life is. And the Bible describes this life, this mortal life, as the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. That's where we live. We have a foretaste. But we're more comfortable in this life. We know what grief and sorrow is. But a lot of us don't know what joy is. We don't know what it is, and we don't know how to enter it. And we're not comfortable with it, oddly enough, other than it's... Um, you, you know, it's imposters. And that's why the church just listened to the prayers that every collect this past week has been like the church telling us, you need to understand how to celebrate. You need to, you need to be joyful. Don't you know? Don't you understand what's happened to you? It's amazing. So the other thing is, we don't, we don't know how to enter that joy. We need to learn how to do it. Secondly, we often mistakenly associate the mask uh, and, and, and sorrow and all of that. We, we just don't enjoy mass. We don't like church. <laughs> so it just, it just reinforces, this just reinforces our association with the mask is like this, obligation, like this penitential obligation. So we associate it with the fast season. Like, I've got to go to church, do my prayers, because, you know, I'm a sinner, and I need to go pay my dues. And we make that association, because we don't know how to enter the joy of the Lord. But once we learn how to enter the joy of the Lord, coming to church becomes like, you just can't wait to go to church. It's fun. Like you love it. If you don't love church, 
you're not weird, you're normal, but there is something wrong with you. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I'm not here to make you feel better about yourself as you are. If you don't like going to church, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. We should run to the church. It should fill us with joy. It doesn't. Sometimes it does. But it should. So we should be on a quest. We should be on a quest. That should be our goal. I want to be a lover of church. I want to be in the midst of the assembly. Praising God. Glorifying God. Singing sweet alleluias. I want to experience that joy. I want to know that joy. The fullness of that gladness. If we don't experience that, I'm not chiding you. I'm encouraging you. Make that your desire. Make that your quest. Because it is very, very real and possible if you decide that that's what you want. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.